Three, two, one. All right, we're back. This is episode three of the Bad Movie Journalists. I'm Christian. And I am Connor. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Christian. Been a little while since I saw you. It has been a little while. It's it's almost like you could say there is a quarantine going on. <laughs> almost. It's almost Something like, like there's a it's almost like there's a pandemic keeping us from seeing each other. Well, from what I've seen on social media, you wouldn't know. <laughs> so <laughs> All right. Well, other than that, jumping right into it. Um this week we're talking about Gamer. Um I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Strangely really excited because this isn't a good movie. By any means. This is not a good movie. Um, This is the first singular movie we're doing instead of a franchise. Uh, It was a doozy to kick off on. I'm not going to lie to you. I hadn't seen this movie before. I viewed it here. Uh, But this is kind of the movie. This is the type of movie that's how this podcast got started. Um, I've always had this idea that I wanted to start a blog or something about sort of these like mediocre to below average movies that people just pan and that I always leave the theater saying, like, well, I liked X and Y, and I thought it was fun, or this and that. And then me and you were talking about that once, and we kind of had a similar idea, and then, you know, we just started conversing, and here we are, three episodes into a podcast, talking about one of the worst movies I've seen in the last 18 months. Oh, easily. This movie is really garbage. And to be clear, I I don't know if I saw this movie in theaters, but I definitely saw it around the time it came out at least and i we'll we'll get into how i feel about it later but out of all the movies we've done this is probably the first one where i can say i'm just generally not a fan of so this makes it so much more fun to defend and pick out what's good about it but the fast and furious you know i genuinely love that franchise same thing with star wars i genuinely love that franchise now we have this film coming in we're uh trying to pick out some good stuff about it it's a little bit more of a stretch. Um, and like you said, thus this podcast was born. So you kind of want to give us a little bit of an overview of, you know, what this movie is and all that. Yeah, absolutely. So Gamer uh, considers itself an American science fiction action film, uh, which is a lot of adjectives. It was released in September 2009, and it was written and directed by Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor, whose names you may know. They are known for such gems as Crank, Crank High Voltage, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, and Jonah Hex. So you may notice a theme with their sorts of movies. Um, in this movie, Basically all the same kind of thing. <laughs> different time periods, essentially. Um, in this movie, Michael C. Hall's character, uh, named Ken Castle, has produced nanobots that allow for control of a human by another human. The film stars Gerard Butler as Cable, who is a convict and a participant in an online game in which death row inmates compete in a first-person shooter-like environment while being controlled by an outside player. With the hope that if you survive 30 games without being killed, you earn a pardon, a full pardon. You get to leave jail. You were on death row and you get to walk free. Uh, the movie also stars uh, the likes of Ludacris, Terry Crews, John Leguizamo, Logan Lerman, Zoe Bell. Um, Kira Sedgwick is in it for a little while. A lot goes on in this movie to the point where if I tried to run through everything here, uh, we'd be here for seven hours. But the setting is essentially it's this dystopia where Castle has created multiple scenarios where humans get to control other movie uh, humans. One is called Society, in which people control actors. It's a little more casual, but it's still wildly horrific, as we'll get into. And the other one is the one with the convicts competing in the Call of Duty style game, which is called Slayers, naturally spelt with a Z because it's cool. You- 
you gotta have the Z because that's how that's how you know this is edgy and we're a hardcore. You know, this is this is not your mama's video game movie. This isn't the last Starfighter from the eighties. <laughs> no, this is the mid two thousands. We're doing some big budget, big blockbuster, uh, you know, high octane action. You know, real macho man movie here. Um, before jumping into the overview and everything, I think one of the first things I want to say is that like, I think this movie has a good idea uh, i think what it's going for is a cool and interesting idea um and is executed just extremely poorly but like at its very idea you know you tell me that you have a movie where there is people controlling other people in like a real life video game that sounds kind of cool um and then the movie just does not do good stuff with that premise basically yeah no i think when you when you look at an overview of the movie it sounds very enter like it sounds like something that would be entertaining it sounds like a promising idea um and then execution was just not great i mean this movie absolutely bombed its budget was 50 million so naturally assumed you'd have to make double that to make any money for the studio with marketing and stuff like that this movie had a total box office of $42 million. It didn't even make back the original investment the studio made in. It made $3.3 million in its open, opening weekend, which was somehow the fourth best movie that weekend behind Inglorious Bastards, uh, The Final Destination, and a movie called All About Steve. You know that classic Bradley Cooper, Sandra Bullock movie that has a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes, that one. It actually made Don't remind me. actually made over nine million in its first week um, in theaters. However, barely cracked ten million the rest of its run. It finished uh, in the U.S. and Canada box offices with twenty one million. Received another twenty million from international boxes, um, and then only received about fifteen million from post theater sales, home market stuff. So miserable performance. Um, and really, you know, you're going to go over this in a second. Wasn't received well either by critics. No, it wasn't. This movie failed on just about every account, despite having a lot of things going for it. Um, uh, well, I'll touch on more of, this, more of this later, but this is peak Gerard Butler. I mean, this is like right after... Uh, 300 came out like people should have been like running to the theaters to see this and on top of that like i remember being a kid and seeing this movie all the time on spike tv uh this just seemed like the most uh, iconic sort of like spike tv movie to me like if there was something playing at 4 p.m when i got off school and wanted to go home and watch a movie this for sure was on i can't tell you how many times i saw it playing on just like cable which is wild because it's an obscenely violent movie um but anytime i hear a film like didn't make its money back it kind of makes me feel sad for everyone involved because oh man that's that's super rough and that's not saying this movie deserved to make a billion dollars but man not making your money back like not, not making that much at all is really really hard to see especially when you got those big name actors in there like just what happened yeah i mean you you hit on it there. They had so many big names in this movie. It's it's kind of shocking how they got this many people to sign off on on this after reading the script. Um, but to dive into the reviews a little bit, like I said, generally negative from the critics. Um, they panned the plot, direction, and scripts, listing them all as disappointing. Did praise, and we're going to touch on this later, the performances of uh, Butler, Hall, and Lerman in particular. 
It has a 30% on good old Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 27% on uh, review aggregator Metacritic. Audiences coming out did give it mixed reviews at the time. Um, so that's a little better. And somehow 72% of Google users we saw liked this movie. Um, although I do think if you're seeking out how to review the movie Gamer on Google, then you have an agenda. Uh, but you would put that in the doc, and I was like, that is a startling number, <laughs> considering for everything else that I that saw. Is, that is, like, shockingly high by all accounts. Now, I don't really trust, like, Google reviews, they're not the first go-to that when I think of, of, you know, cinema, film reviewing, but it is just wild. Like, w- like what that tells me is that either fans really enjoyed this movie, or that people just arbitrarily clicked yeah it was a fine watch after uh and just never gave it a second thought at all but like you said it's universally panned i think everyone i've talked to who did see this movie which apparently is not many knowing how little money made at the box office is pretty much in agreement that this movie is really really bad (laughs) and perform really really badly on just about every yeah no it's not bad which will lead us into our first section which we have uh, titled the bin why this film is garbage we can insert uh in future episodes a sound of a trash bin closing here when our budget gets raised uh but christian do you want to start us off uh giving us your view of this movie yeah this movie is first and foremost just ridiculously and over the toply offensive it's uh, offensive honestly might not even really capture exactly how shocked i was watching this movie and every now and then i'll go back and watch a movie from this time period and think you know some of those jokes haven't aged super well and that's pretty normal anytime you watch anytime watch any film from you know more than a decade ago but man i was shocked um Words like gay and retarded are thrown around left and right. Um, And this film is just really, really disgusting to watch in what I think might have been intentional, but just really poorly executed way where everything feels gross and slimy and dirty. All the characters look like they need a shower or a chemical bath at that. Um, The effects don't look very good even for the time period i mean you could compare this to a movie that came out 10 years before it and the effects don't look very good um the choice in camera shots just don't work some of the actions borderline unwatchable in my opinion um so it just it just it just fails (laughs) it just it purely it just fails yeah i mean when you talk about the action too like there are some action scenes where i was legitimately getting a headache trying to follow the what was going on in the cameras cuts and everything like that. It's just, it's disorienting. Honestly, this movie feels like a really early version of a script that the network would just like vehemently throw back at a writer. Like it, it's a good idea. Like we were talking about. And then like this person wrote down like actual lines and everything like that. And the, the network should have just ripped it to shreds. Um, as you said, the language here is downright offensive, um, and it's not acceptable anymore. It really wasn't acceptable back in, like, 2009, the way they went about this. Like, I don't know if you've watched, like, movies like Wedding Crashers recently, which were similar time periods, maybe a little bit before. Um, but even then, like, some of the jokes and everything are, like, pretty bad taste for 2020. Um, and you, But you can look at those and be like, all right, well, you know, it wasn't this, like, taboo that it is now. 
Um, you watch this whole movie and it's basically just like a large cringe at basically every line <laughs> that especially a couple people mutter. Um, I don't want to call out the screenwriters or anything, but I'm going to. This movie was not well written at all. I took the liberty as I was going down of um, of jotting down some of the excellent writing in this movie. Um, some of the ones, uh, the cleaner ones, at least, of note were the following. There's a line that says, stop menstruating and tell me if we have it. That's in the first five minutes of the movie. Um, that followed. That is followed shortly by the line, I could freak a burger. Um, Shut up fish is also said. A, a character describes stuff as gay, gay, retardedly gay. Another character says, poor little rich honky, um, which is, of course, said by Ludacris, as written by two white men. Um, another character says, pull your balls together, man. And then Michael C. Hall's character says, crawl on your belly like a toad. Um, and like I said, those are the clean ones that we can go through because the rest of them, I'm not comfortable putting my name on on a public forum. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, there are some really, really disgusting choice and dialogue in here. But not only disgusting, but plain bad. Um, there's a meme that's pretty popular right now. I'm not sh you're probably familiar with it. Um, but it's the whole idea of, oh, we live in a society. You know, you, you think of things happening around. It's like, man, you know, we, we really do live in a society. And that line is said in this movie, <laughs> like, really early on. The quote. He's Michael C. Hall's character says at one point, we live in a society. We visit society, which is more real. You know what I mean? No, Michael, I don't. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I don't know what that means. What, what do you what dude? What, what does that mean? Who wrote that line? It just it's one of those things where like fake woke if you will, where this movie almost wants to come off as really intelligent and oh man, look, we're making this really high class commentary about how messed up the world is and you know we're really trying to say something with this movie and you're not that, that, that's not what this doing there's nothing clever about saying half the stuff in here there's really someone got paid to write down on a piece of paper and turn it in as a script a line that says gay gay retardedly gay what are we talking about Who yeah no it, it's terrible some of the character names too are like just obscenely offensive like you wrote one down in here and there's a couple others that i had made note of and decided not to put in uh but they're just like not okay this movie just is not subtle in any way shape or form about a lot of the stuff it goes about and that that's kind of the problem with it is that you know it's it's not trying to like make a conversation about this it's trying to seemingly make a point um in like the most over-the-top way humanly possible yeah like um something you pointed out in here was that this game has exactly two depictions of video game characters one of them being the entitled brat and the other the overrate slob and it just shows like how out of touch this movie is, even with the market it's trying to appeal to. Like being, I, I can't imagine being like a really, really hardcore movie, like a hardcore gamer watching this movie and thinking, you know what? They nailed it. That's exactly how I feel. Like, no, man, this is offensive to you. Like it's actively offending the people that it's trying to appeal to, which just shows that it isn't really made for anyone. Like if you're going to make a movie like this, I feel like, you should try to appeal it to gamers. Maybe aim it at 
people who play video games, and then you have something. But when you're making fun of that audience while marketing towards that audience, no one goes and see it. And it yeah, no, jokes. you're completely right. And I've written down here too, like I was trying to figure out who this movie while I was watching it was written for. Um, and the conclusion I came to is it's written for Simon, who is the 17 year old who controls Butler's character in the game, who is essentially that like um, that nerdy gamer. He's like depicted as super thin. He's got a bowl cut. He has like no social skills um, with the way he talks to other people. That's who this movie is written for. It's over the top action. Um, there's no subtlety. There's no backplot. There's nothing that you can kind of like sink your teeth into. It's not. And, you know, on this on this podcast we're never going to review like highbrow cinema we're never going to talk about like 1917 or inception where there's a lot of different things going on that you have to kind of observe and really dig into but you could at least try and make some sort of like classy i guess is the right word i'm thinking of way to go about like so like this movie is just doing way too much in every aspect like you talked about the actions over the top the graphics and CGR aren't even that good for 2009, let alone now. Um, there's just nothing about this movie. It, like there was something they, they did a lot of stuff that they thought was going to be cool. Like, do you remember the scene where Gerard Butler drinks an entire bottle of vodka in 20 seconds? Then he somehow instantly drunk then somehow powers a car by vomiting and urinating that vodka into the car. And then is somehow coherent enough to do a car chase. Like that that's a, like a like a main action point of this movie. And I was just sitting there going like, like almost slack jawed, like what is going on? This doesn't like you know, it's not one of those like fast and furious car chases where you're like, oh, kind of in awe. It's just like like doesn't make any sense. It doesn't it doesn't work. I'm not an engineer. Uh this movie makes no sense. If you've ever tried it this doesn't work, it is the point. I don't know how many other ways I can try to reiterate it but if you go and you vomit in your car engine the car is not going to start i wish we lived in that world because you know that would be pretty convenient oh man i'm out of gas let me just go vomit real quick but no that's that's not how this works And this movie just goes about it in a way that's almost positing yeah that works this is this is good right that's a solid idea no man it's not that's it's it's not a good idea um Another thing that I think is really, really bad about this film is just the way a lot of the action scenes when they're in the Slayer's world are shot. It's trying to do this thing where it's almost trying to look like a video game glitching. Um, you know, things are coming in and now images are almost stacked over each other. It's got this very glitchy effect to a lot of the camera shots and that just does not translate well to film at all. Like you were saying, it almost gives you a headache. It's it's borderline disorienting. I remember trying to watch this movie probably about two years ago with some friends. And we were in one of those moods where we just wanted to rib on a really bad movie. And we literally made it maybe 20 minutes in and just could not finish it. Just from the sheer level of di disorientation coming from the choices in uh, camera shots. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like we thought, like the, when you're watching those like Slayers scenes, it almost seems like they're trying to do that, like very niche, like, oh, war is hell sort of thing, where like you want, you see a lot of people get shot and blown up and the camera's cutting really fast because like your attention's supposed to be getting pulled everywhere. But then you're talking like, first off, it's, it's not a war, it's, uh, 
you know, essentially, quote unquote, a game. Um, and then secondly, it's, you know, they do that stuff where it's like a glitch. You see a lot of stuff like freeze and reset, but it's not supposed to be a VR simulation of it. It's supposed to be humans controlling humans. So they kind of mix those ideas, too, while you go through it. Um, I mean, it's just it's just not well executed. There's a lot of different stuff going on in all of those scenes, and it's just it's just too much to follow. Um, a fun fact, though, is Gerard Butler watched the original take of this movie and asked for his name not to be in the credits. He's the star of the movie. There's no way to write Gerard Butler out of this movie. And he watched it one time and was like, nah, man, you got to get me out of this. That is amazing. Um, I I like Gerard Butler. Um, even in stupid movies, I think Gerard Butler's fun. Even in something like Geostorm, I'll, give me Gerard Butler. He's awesome. Those Olympus movies, um, great stuff. But like, man, even for him to be watching this and thinking, I don't want to be associated with this, that's a really tough look for the movie. Um, it's not great. It doesn't really work. Um, last thing I want to say before we moving before we move on to the next session, the next section, and we completely turn all these opinions around, is that this movie is incredibly sexist. Um, there is not a hint of feminism anywhere remotely in this plot. All the women in the film are only used as kind of like props or literally as sex workers. Uh, we never see a female playing the game as another character. The only time we see a female is when she's either up to no good, kind of in Kara Sedgwick's character, or they are literally being used as a prostitute by, again, another very offensive stereotype of a male gamer. Um, so just really, really offensive to anyone who is a female. Yeah, no, it's it's not great. And I don't want to spend too much time on that because it's it's just revolting, basically, how, how sexist this movie is. Um you know, it's it's not great. Um, but we are the bad movie journalists, Christian. We are here to find the beauty in mediocreness. So why don't, you know, we spent 20 to 25 minutes now talking about how bad this movie is. Why don't you take us through what's good about this film? I gotta say, this is always my favorite heel turn of this podcast, is that we go from just demolishing a movie for the first half, and then almost walking everything back to, to just say, you know what? This movie is great. And that's what we're about to do. And I think, that's what we're doing now. Yeah. I think it's important to understand that when, when we say like we enjoy quote unquote, these films, it's not because they're good films. Like I'm not sitting here saying gamer and parasite are on the same level, um, but there are things you can like take away from a movie that, you know, maybe, maybe might not have been intentional um, on their part. But there's always stuff to take away from a movie. You're like, oh, that was kind of fun or that's interesting. Yeah. And you know what? If you want a podcast that reviews good movies, there's a bunch of those. If you want a podcast that ribs on awful movies, there's a bunch of those. But what we're doing here is trying to show that even in the worst, most absolutely nightmarish viewing experiences, maybe there's something good. And that's a lesson that I think anyone who's interested in cinema can take. Gamer included, as tough as that is to say. <laughs> so, the beauty. What's good about this movie? Well, if you want a time capsule into the mind of what a teenage boy thought was cool in 2009, this is it. When this movie came out, I was somewhere in my teens, and I thought this film was awesome. You know, this was like a monster energy drink put on film, which I also drank my fair share of as a teenager. So... 
this movie is it's you know it's high octane it's big action and i'm not gonna lie when i was a teenager i liked movies like crank or crank high voltage honestly those might be some sleeper hits later on the show we'll see but this is the audience it was going for and at that time man did it hit um did me and my friends watch it when we were 13 14 years old yeah absolutely looking back on it yikes (laughs) i don't know why i liked it but hey, that too, this movie was trying to appeal to. And at the time, it worked. Um, some other really, really good things that, we're, that we have to mention. Um, notably, Michael C. Hall's performance in this movie is awesome. He has a crazy Southern accent, which uh, I can just hear in my head at all times because it is just ridiculous on all levels. He plays this eccentric billionaire maybe even trillionaire they kind of establish that he's so ludicrously rich that he makes bill gates look like he doesn't even have money which is wild but he comes off as aloof kind of stupid almost um really really manipulative and just like a complete wild card i feel like you never really know what he's gonna what you're gonna get on screen when you see him i know you had a lot of thoughts about michael c hall so before jumping into more things I thought was good. Please tell me how you felt about all that. I don't think the world has gotten enough Michael C. Hall. Um, I mean, mainly we know him from Dexter, right? Um, I didn't see this movie in theaters, but I do remember like the promos and seeing he was in this movie and being excited that he was getting into other things. Um, I absolutely loved him in Dexter. Like you said, like he, he has this like very mellow, like very calm voice and demeanor in real life and then you come into this movie and the first road i wrote note that i wrote when he came on i was like what is that accent he's like a southern plantation owner essentially is what he sounds like but he looks like michael c hall with his bowl cut and everything he's very good at this in this movie at portraying a little different kind of a villain normally the dude plotting world domination which he is spoiler alert is either a stereotypical bid bad or like a Jesse Eisenberg playing Lex Luthor sort of nerdy villain who is kind of behind the scenes. While he is behind the scenes, he's also just this sort of strange character. He's obviously super intelligent. He's very manipulative, but he comes off as kind of dumb and dismissive. He's just arrogant. He's almost whimsical about this. Like Ludacris first appears in this movie as a hacker. He hacks into this interview that Michael C. Hall just did to slander him on national television or global television, whatever it is at that point. And he basically just laughs him off the screen. And then when Gerard Butler's character Cable shows up at his house for the, you know, ultimate showdown, you get introduced to MCH doing a dance number to Sammy Davis Jr. with a bunch of other convicts whose brains he's controlling. That really happens. Like that's he walks out in of the shadows and is doing a dance number, a synchronized dance number with five other people to Sammy Davis Jr. Um, he basically just doesn't have a single care in the world until he, again, spoiler alert, gets stabbed and dies. And even then, he kind of like it took him a second to realize he was about to die. Um, which by the end we have we have to talk about he was basically defeated by inception so i feel like there's some ip violation going on there but yes <laughs> so good in this movie in so many different ways and i think it gets buried because his because the movie is obviously not that great um and then his character has a lot of eccentricities which makes it easy to not take him seriously when you're watching it but if you are watching it from almost his perspective of this like global powerhouse you know he's this like you said got more money than bill gates could ever even dream of having he doesn't have a care in the world but anything that's going on 
Um, and then watching people like slowly unravel and him just be a step ahead of them the whole time up until the very end. It, it's there's a lot of layers there that I wish they had gotten more into because I found it to be probably one of the best performances, you know, in, in the movie, the best performance overall, but one of the best performances from this sort of genre of movies. I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um I think a really fun and silly thing to illustrate exactly how rich his character is portrayed in this movie is that there is a scene where he is eating bags of potato chips, but he is carefully selecting chips from each bag that he wants to eat and then literally throwing away the rest of the bag, (laughs) which is so ridiculous. Um, But again, the exact kind of delightful, just stupid nature that I like in this. Um, other notable performances that I do like, or at least like seeing the person in this movie, are Akira Sedgwick. I'm a big fan of her. Anytime I see her in a film, I always find her pretty entertaining. Um, Terry Crews, though I feel like he's a little wasted in this movie. I'm, again, big fan of Terry Crews. Always glad to see him, too. And gotta shout out Ludacris. Why? Because we're three episodes in, and this is the second film he's been in. <laughs> it's a, it's the second <laughs> is film. going to be a running. Thing? It's the second film he's been into where he was a hacker in the film. He's he's got a very typecast role in sort of these movies, I guess. Does Ludacris is is Ludacris secretly a computer hacker? Like, is there more to Ludacris, the character that is Ludacris? then I know, like, is he a computer hacker? Why does he keep playing computer hackers? What's up with Ludacris? You know, on top of that, I'm not even sure if this is the only other movie he plays a computer hacker in. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen him in other films playing a a computer hacker. Just my gut tells me that. I'll come back with more research on that. But I feel like that might be the case. I'm not sure. Um, Something else I think that this movie, albeit, does really poorly um but what it's trying to do i think is show this really awful dystopian future um similar to something that you might see in like robocop for example except robocop works is in a class and is a classic of filmmaking and this movie is not um but i think that's what it's trying to do it's it's trying to create this reality where rape and murder and violence is just rampant humans are at their absolute worst in this world everyone is either focused on sex or murder or just it's basically the id part of the brain to put it in in freudian terms just realize into society and this movie doesn't want you to live in this world and believe me i do not by any means um i don't want to be here i feel like i need a shower after watching this movie and there's better movies that do that that present an unappealing or an appealing ugliness ugliness if you will and this is not one of those movies at all um it it doesn't work but i do think a little credit it does get a little credit for genuinely making me not want to live in this world at all yeah no you're dead on about that and that is something i want to dive a little deeper into um in a couple minutes um, so we'll get we'll get right back to that. But you are correct. This movie feels like the representation of a teenage boy's hormone infested rage id. That's that's what it reminded me of. It, it actually reminds me of a John Mulaney joke, which I'll paraphrase for the sake of time. But essentially, he's pretending to be a kid blowing up eggs with bottle rockets. 
an adult asks him, why are you doing that? And his response was, well, you know how I'm always horny and full of range, but don't have a proper outlet? Well, eggs. That's, that was the idea that I got here was just like, this is how I imagine the world would be if it was run by mid-2000s teenage boys who were getting together to have a LAN party and play the original Call of Duty or one of those other like first-person shooter battleground sort of games from back then. Um, like I said, I was trying to figure out like who this movie was for, and that was the only person who I could see appealing this movie to. Like you said, it's very offensive to like gamers who are in the gaming community and have skin in it because they're portrayed as these like, I mean, the the character who controls uh, Cable's wife, Jar Butler's wife in this movie is like grotesque. He's the actual, he looks like the character that South Park rendered when they did their World of Warcraft episode, if you've ever seen that. He almost looks exactly like that. Um, you know, it's it's tough to look at him at points in this movie. Um, and that's who they depict as like the older gamer that the younger gamer looks like this punk. He ends up coming out on top, sort of, because he helps Cable. So that's who I think this movie's for. And that's who, if you look through it their eyes, that's kind of what being a 13-year-old is kind of like when you're a boy and you have a little too much hormones going on. Like you said, like you watch this movie when you're 13, 14, you're like, hell yeah. Like this is a little different, but I remember watching um quantum of solace the second james bond movie with daniel craig and i left the theater i think i was about 14 or 15 when that came out and i was going oh my god that was the best movie i've ever seen and then last year i rewatched all of the daniel craig james bond movies and i went that movie sucked it's just pure action for the <laughs> point of action now obviously it's better than this because they do have some plots and stuff like that but you know, like you can't just throw a bunch of action into a film and make it work. But if you're 13, it's really cool to see stuff like this happen. Yeah, that's exactly why films like the Transformers franchise uh, generally turn a profit. I don't think The Last Night did. I think that one was genuinely considered a failure. But other than that, like, yeah, there is a subsect of person, that 13-year-old boy that does want to see just a pure action movie that's doing nothing else than being pure spectacle. Uh, and like you said, this is, this is for that person. There's definitely more successful versions of that. I'm not a fan of the Transformers movies, but I would rather watch Revenge of the Fallen any day over <laughs> this movie. At least I can follow the plot to that film, which is saying something, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things. It's, it just doesn't work. No. <laughs> but but here we go. This is now what we are christening the cell uh, working title. Um, you know, I would honestly, I wanted to go for something with a alliter- alliteration, but I couldn't think of another B word. And for whatever reason, Google just was not working with me that day. So the cells, the cells a good title. You want to start? Yeah, the cells a good title first off, because I am about to, after we spent 40 minutes telling you why this movie is awful, tell you why you need to go watch this movie. Um, so I'm not sure how intentional it was, and you touched on it a little bit, uh, but there's a theme here about in the movie about the negative effects of virtualizing the world, uh, which is actually more relevant than I ever expected it to be today as we kind of deal with the global pandemic we jokingly touched on earlier um, and how that's forcing the world to get even more digital than it was. It's not subtle. Nothing in this movie is subtle. But like I mentioned before, the creators and people who play people in other games, like it's pictured as the worst versions of stereotypes. Like I said, the guy who controls Cable's wife is disgusting. 
Um, and as you've mentioned before, they trivialize all sorts of awful crimes and language in this movie. If you'll remember back in like the 2000s, there was that whole conversation about if video games made people more violent and less emotionally connected to the world. Now, I don't think just playing video games has that much effect. I love the God of War series. I've played all three of them. I'm on my second run through the fourth one, um, the reboot. But I'm not out here trying to create the chaos blades with chains I found at Home Depot. But I do think it's pretty much universally agreed that the internet in 2020 is an awful, awful place. People are emboldened by the anonymity they've been given for decades now of assuming a username and hiding behind these virtual walls. They get to say and do whatever they want with almost no repercussions. Um, and if you look at this movie through that lens, then the vulgar language in the scenes, they start to become a little more than just like the shock pieces they seem on the on the top. Because this stuff is actually happening in 2020 on the internet. Like I know personally a female sports reporter who has spoken openly about constantly receiving disturbing messages and threats. Um, this is the world they kind of depict in there. And it's it's real to some degree. It's real to a large degree on the internet. Maybe not, you know, obviously not to this extreme level. But there is stuff in this movie where you look at it and it's kind of a warning sign of what can happen if you let people have this sort of anonymity and power and ability to just kind of like they show Simon a lot, just hiding in his room, swapping through the internet and saying terrible things to people. Um, like if you let people kind of have that ability and it just compounds over time and time, you know, I don't think it'll ever reach this level, but there is a lot of stuff in here that does unfortunately happen to a certain degree in real life. Yeah, it. It def definitely for those reasons. Something that I think um, is like really, really Im important about all that is that like something I've said for years is, and I don't know, I probably got this from somewhere, but um, I like to think I made it up. But the internet is a great place because you can say whatever you want, and the internet is an awful place because you can say whatever you want. Um, so it's kind of a double-edged sword there. And I think this movie definitely touches on that. Um, how successful it is, is kind of up to you. But it's definitely going for that, kind of showing that, hey, if we're kind of all buried behind these fake identities all the time, this sense of how you should treat other people go away. Um, video games these days are all about reaching the most real-life experiences. Um, things like Oculus become more and more popular by the day. Um, we're moving ever closer to a world where video games are in a totally VR world. Um, currently, the PS5 is going to come out pretty soon, and the graphics on there are basically indiscernible from real life. So once you spend a lot of time getting used to there and treating people badly, um, you add you know, maybe 10, 20 decades to that, um, and people maybe do lose their sense of how to treat other humans. Um, and this is almost completely unrelated but i do feel like it's a little relevant here is um recently there is a female japanese wrestler who committed suicide due to cyberbullying. um she was a young woman and it was because of how she was treated after her um appearance on the japanese show terrace house um so these things do happen i mean how many times have you heard about a certain celebrity either quitting acting or receiving death threats or in this case, committing suicide um, because of the way people online treated her. So this film can almost be seen as a warning as what we don't want to become. Um, and on top of that, I think it's also a little meta to 
see, all right, this is what we thought was okay to put in theaters uh, 11 years ago. Look how far we've come. Look how now we have so much more representation in films, telling better stories. Um, This movie would never be made today, and I don't think movies like this should be made anymore, and I'm glad they're not. But going back and watching this in a time capsule, understanding, hey, we used to make movies like this very regularly, Um, and this was in theaters. Um, I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure there was articles coming out at the time, but I don't remember articles coming out talking about this is not okay. We should not be making this. This is absolutely unacceptable. It was just fine. There was commercials for this in the middle of watching um, ESPN probably. Um, so it just it, it's good to see now in retrospect how far we've come in terms of filmmaking and in terms of how we treat other people on film and how we represent other people on film. Yeah, that, so. that's an excellent point. And like you said, this movie would not get made today. And if this movie did get made today, it would never make it to theaters. Um, there would be such a backlash against any viewing of this movie. And like you said, it was on TV in the early 2010s. I didn't even know. I mean, it's definitely the most Spike TV movie that I could think of after you've said that. But also Spike TV is not around anymore. So I think that tells you where our our culture has kind of gone. For all the faults that our society has, and I just touched on a lot of them, and there's a you know a metric ton we're not getting to. It's interesting to get taken back and see what we thought life, or at least a certain pocket of people thought life was going to be like around now. Like it's almost like the inverse of watching like Astro Boy back from like the 70s and being like, look how cool the future looks. Or like obviously the Jetsons is very dated, but it's also like you watch those movies and you think like, oh, the future is this like. Um, you know, amazing sort of thing where all this technology is going to get made. And in this movie, it's like, well, we could also go the other way with the technology. By the way, this movie takes place in 2039, I believe, which you wouldn't know if you didn't look up the movie because they don't tell you when it takes place. But it is about, you know, 19 years into the future from now. So about 30 years from when it was released. So looking forward 30 years and, you know, we're about halfway through that it's almost you know, this is what people thought this world would be, this hyper-violent sort of like disconnected world. Um, so it's good. It's, you know, it's refreshing to look now and be like, well, we've kind of gone the opposite way where stuff like this is happening. But also, you know, I would say like there's more than ever a larger part of the culture and the world that is not going to accept stuff like this anymore. It's not going to accept um, any sort of mention of stuff like this anymore um so i mean that's that's great to see it's interesting to go back like like we were saying to watch this with that eye of like you know this is what people thought the world was going to be and then to go out and kind of see you know i'm not a one of these like social justice warriors quote unquote where everything outrages me but i'd rather have it that way than get to a world where we think the stuff that goes on in gamer is acceptable I agree. And I think that's actually a really, really good point, um, kind of illustrating, you know, where we thought the world was going to go and where the world has actually went. And if anything, that kind of fills my heart with a little bit of warmth. Um, Just the idea that, you know, we thought that things were going to get really ugly and dystopian. And by some accounts, they have. But by a lot of accounts, they haven't either. Um, You know, we're, we're currently, I think, more inclusive and accepting and representative of a whole variety of people. And we're not making things like this anymore. And that's awesome um so if you want to go back and see and genuinely i kind of actually really really recommend people do this if you're curious if you want to see what we thought 
the world might turn into. Um, check this out. You know, if you're if you really want to know what people thought was okay to put in films, check this out. Um, that's how I would recommend this movie. And I think if you watched the movie under that kind of pretense of, man, some this was okay. This was in theaters a few years ago. I think you'll have a appreciation of it that I have of the kind of the, the same kind of appreciation you have for maybe a um, like relationship that didn't work out too well, but in hindsight, you look and you think, you know, that wasn't the right one, but I'm glad I learned from it. This is kind of one of those experiences. Um, there's a lot to learn from it in the vein of maybe this is not what we should do. All of that being said, and we need more Michael C. Hall in the world. <laughs> that is the, 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 the final um, selling point for this movie. Michael C. Hall is great. We need more of him. Hollywood, please. Use him, hire him, put him in anything. I just want to see more. You, you know what's Hall. sad is that this is the lo- only thing I've seen Michael C. Hall in, in years. Um, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to look up like what his career has been. But you know, we often end with the final question here, Christian. Um, so, final question: If you had to put Michael C. Hall into an existing cinematic franchise, a la Marvel, Star Wars, anything like that, Fast and Furious, who would you choose? What character would he play, and why? Um, I gotta agree with you here that I think the MCU would be a great place for him. Um, probably not doing a Southern accent, but having just that kind of, he's got a really good sense of humor that I think translates well in anything he does. And I think it would lend itself well to the MCU. Um, so let me, a character, you know, it's funny because I think, Jake Gyllenhaal did a great job, but I think he would have been like a really, really good Mysterio or maybe another character really similar to that. Maybe if um, the DC, if the, maybe if the DC cinematic universe can get its shit together, if you will, um, we can have him as the Riddler or something. I think anything like that, he would probably be pretty fun. And I think he's got the charisma and the acting chops to pull off that. I like this guy and I want to trust him, but he's maybe not the best guy kind of character i mean you know that's basically the plot of dexter is this guy's an awful person but he'd be you a fun, anyways yeah he'd be a fun riddler that's actually a great shout it'd be a different riddler because the riddler is often cast as kind of eccentric and loud and stuff like that in you know at gotham it's not necessarily the tv show on fox uh but other casts you know it is so i'd, I'd be interested to see his take because he's definitely more of a muted character even in this way he's zany and everything like that it's definitely a quieter version of that for some reason, when I thought about this question, my mind instantly went to Doctor Strange. Um, and that's not to say I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is doing a fantastic job in the MCU right now, because I think he is almost the perfect casting for that. But it checked a lot of boxes in terms of like he's very calm. He's got that deeper voice. He's able to communicate a lot of humor through like quips and one lines and facial expressions and stuff like that. Um, you know, they, they probably have to tweak the appearance and everything like that because um, he doesn't exactly fit that mold the way Benedict Cumberbatch does. But I do think that in terms of just like personality wise, he would make a very good Doctor Strange. I agree. And I think something that Marvel is really, really good at, or at least uh, Marvel Studios has been really good at is either resurrecting talent or bringing a spotlight to someone who really, really deserves it. I mean, the MCU has made a star out of so many people. And on top of that, it's resurrected people's careers who probably otherwise wouldn't be really doing anything. 
Robert Downey Jr. is an excellent example of that. Before Iron Man, he really wasn't doing too much. Um, so Marvel's really, really great about that. And I think if you put him in the next, I don't know, um, Guardians movie as some sort of good slash bad guy, or if you had him appearing, you know, as in the next Doctor Strange movie as maybe a competing um magician or wizard or anything like that i think it, i think it would be really really good i think yeah i think we need more of michael c Hall we absolutely do uh there is one final point i know i said that's the final question but one final point i want to touch on real fast if you do go watch this movie after listening to this podcast if you do go watch it i want you to first take a look at terry cruz's instagram because it's Terry Crews in this movie is a soulless, heartless murder machine. And, you know, Terry Crews is the largest man on the face of the planet. But he's also probably the nicest man on the face of the planet. Like, I, when he came on the screen and he first spoke, the first thing that came into my head was that I, I followed Terry Crews on Instagram. And I saw him about two weeks ago post a three-paragraph, really inspirational post about how Lego affects his life. And then you watch this movie and he's trying to kill Gerard Butler with a pipe half the time. So I would, I just suggest that and you go watch that contrast. Terry Crews, criminally underrated. I agree with you. And I, I think that that is actually the perfect example of typecasting a performer based on their appearance. Um, because Terry Crews is an imposing figure. He's massive. He's probably one of the strongest people I've ever seen. So of course you're going to pick him to pick that, to be that really beefy macho man, murderer guy. Um, but the reality is he's a nice guy. I think a show that like best exemplifies this is Brooklyn nine, nine, um, where he is that kind of lighthearted sweetheart, um, that really carries a show just based on the fact that he's a nice guy. He's a dad. He's a jokey man. Yeah. He's a ripped muscle monster, but that's kind of superficial to the fact that he's actually like a really great person who had want to hang out with. Um, but this movie takes the easy way out the same way. Um, you might cast Dave Batista as just a regular meat headed guy, but in reality, these people are actually kind of decent actors and can do more than just gamer. What could have been with the actors you had, what could have been, what could have been i don't know maybe we'll get a uh gamer reboot slash expanded universe here in the next 10 years uh who you know honestly you never know (laughs) oh god i'm so here for it um but all right we will leave it there um and then we will return next time with uh something else probably along the same lines uh in terms of quality as this hopefully a little better for both of our sakes but christian it's been a pleasure uh keep it frosty over there